on, everybody? Elliot Shore Parks, Matt Lamar, here from Lincoln Financial Field, the site of the Eagles' loss, six nothing to the Dallas Cowboys, and man, <laughs> that was not the way to ring in the new year. Uh, hopefully, you have better New Year's Eve plans and are rewatching that game because that was—I've been covering the team for five years. That was one of the ugliest football games I've ever seen, including preseason. Yeah, Elliot, I think that there were many times when either the Eagles had the ball around the thirty-yard line, or particularly the Cowboys deep in the red zone. We were pretty much openly cheering for somebody to score to avoid overtime yeah. because the last thing anybody needed was overtime of a nothing-nothing game on New Year's Eve. But mercifully, this thing is over. The Cowboys win 6 to nothing. Their season is over, and the Eagles get to look ahead to a playoff game two weeks from today or two weeks from yesterday, depending on the NFL schedule in the divisional rounds of the playoffs. So the loss drops the Eagles to 13-3. and uh, Not a huge deal, but they do miss the opportunity to set the franchise record record for wins in a season which would have been 14 had they won the game and really you know as we said this one was ugly from the jump um I believe it was the opening drive really kind of set the tone uh I went back and forth on Joe with Joe Giglio uh, a little bit on Twitter he thought Foles looked good in the opening drive and you can certainly debate it I think you know he did a, it was a nice pass to Torrey Smith he completed that long pass to Ertz but the the drop pass by Smith really seemed to kind of set this team really you know it seemed like they were going to have a good game Foles was moving a little bit that drop pass by Smith really kind of set things uh, into whack and ruined ruined not saying ruined the game but it ruined a good first drive yeah I thought Elliot that that first drive Foles looked much sharper than he did at any point during the game against the Raiders, but that costly drop on third down to Torrey Smith, that's one of those things that it's been happening all year with Torrey yeah. Smith. You can go back to the season opener at FedEx Field against Washington, a costly drop on a deep ball. There have been several drops throughout the course of the year, and obviously much of the attention on talk radio and, of course, in our stories this week are probably going to be centered on whether the Eagles have a quarterback controversy with Nick Foles versus Nate Sudfeld. I think that's a little premature at this point, but I think what we all should be talking about is should rookie wide receiver Mac Hollins mm -hmm. be getting significant snaps over Torrey Smith? Because that drop, it was a perfectly thrown ball by Foles. And you have to wonder, if this were a playoff situation, if Smith catches that ball, what happens the rest of the day with the offense? How much momentum do the Eagles get established with Foles? And if it's in the playoffs and he drops that pass, how costly can it be in a game that could be determined by one or two mistakes in an Eagles offense that has struggled mightily over the last two games to get anything positive going here, for them. Here's one of the issues the Eagles are going to face over the next uh, week or week and a half or, you know, till their next game is debating playing veterans versus maybe just putting the best player out there. And we can start for, with, with Hollins and Smith. Smith was supposed to be a veteran presence for this team, and he has been in the locker room. He's a, he's a great guy from that perspective. You know, he seems like he's a leader in that in that wide receiver room. On the field, he has not done much at all. And so you have to ask yourself, all right, Smith is probably gone next year. He's probably not going to be on the team in 2018. Right now, in one game on one day, who is a better option out there, Smith or Hollins? And look, I don't think Hollins has shown much this year, but in his extremely limited snaps he's had, he has gotten the job done to a certain degree, and Smith hasn't. And, you know, look, if, if Smith catches that ball, maybe he runs in for a touchdown. It was a great play call by Doug. But that's just kind of this team's problem now, and I think it really showed on that one play. 
They just well, the have a, a, is, a lack of talent. Right. The problem is that they're so limited on offense with Nick Foles. Um, at one point today, they were 0 for 9 again on third down. They were 1 for 14 on third down um, against the Raiders on Monday night. And just comparing the two, Matt Collins, 13 catches, 201 yards and a touchdown. Torrey Smith this year, 36 catches, 430 yards and two touchdowns. So it, it's not an earth-shattering difference. Especially but, when you consider Smith has played. I mean, Oh, sure. He's had a majority of the snaps. snaps. Yeah. And my, my my thing going into the postseason is you want your best players on the field. And mm-hmm. I think that if you're looking at building this thing year over year, Mac Hollins is a bigger key to this team's long-term success than Torrey Smith is. And obviously Nick Foles or Nate Sudfeld aren't going to be the quarterback for meaningful games next year. That's going to be Carson Wentz again. So you're not trying to get these guys on the same page. Right. But if I want to put the best receivers out there, I think you got to put Mac Hollins opposite Alshon Jeffrey because that, that drop to me, and I tweeted this, that drop by Torrey Smith was emblematic of his year. And mm-hmm. you can't have a receiver who you cannot rely on to make an easy catch over the middle in a playoff game. I mean, so obviously the Torrey Smith-Matt Collins debate is one that I think is worth having for the Eagles. But the big, big takeaway from today and kind of the big debate, I don't know if they'll let it be a debate or not, um, is you know Nick, Nick Foles versus Nate Sudfeld. So let me just ask you this. Are there any positives you can take away from this if you're Foles? Um, I threw a nice ball to Torrey Smith and he dropped it. <laughs> yeah, that's really it, right? I mean, I, I mean, he finished the game with a passer rating of 9.3. And I got to give a, a helmet sticker to whoever on Twitter fired off. Um, Nick Foles should change his, his jersey number to 9.3. <laughs> uh, and 9.3 is the exact percentage that one fan gave the Eagles of winning a playoff game with Nick Foles. Seems high. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, listen, I don't think, and I wrote about this on the site right after the game, Elliot, Outside of maybe Atlanta and potentially Carolina, I don't know who the Eagles beat in the playoff situation with Nick Foles as the quarterback, and I don't know how much of an upgrade Nate Sudfeld is, but I do know that come postseason time, the fact that Nate Foles, Nate Foles, Nick Foles <laughs> has played in a playoff game, I think matters for something. The fact that he's a veteran matters for something. So I think you start him. Um, but the bigger question to me is, let's say it's 7 nothing and it's halftime, and you're playing the Atlanta Falcons, and it's an ugly game. The offense is 1-for-6 on third down. You have something like 67 yards total offense um what do you do yeah what do you do do you go to Sudfeld after halftime or do you stick with Foles that's a tough one I mean so I think well first let's just talk about Foles Foles day a little bit the limited snaps he was out there to me one of the main issues Foles has had is just flat-out accuracy since he's been in and I thought two plays really showed that one was the play where he rolls out to his right. He has an ability, or at least he would have had the option to run for a first down or pretty close to it. It was a third down. Instead, he tries to go down the field, which you don't hate. I mean, I do think they need to go down the field more, and I think it's important Foles at least test the defense deep. But his arm strength, man, like when he was here in 2013, his arm wasn't great, but he had he had a little bit of a can. I mean, he could get it down the field. And I just wonder how much his whatever was bothering him in training camp with his elbow is still bothering because he rolls out to the right, and I know it's a cold day, but guess what? It's not going to be summer in two weeks. I mean, you're going to be playing in cold games in the playoffs. He goes out, rolls it his right, and throws it deep, and it's just like five yards short of Alshon Jeffrey. It's coming down so, so, like almost immediately after he throws it, and it's easily picked off by the Cowboys. And to me, that was a major problem. Yep. Well, obviously, that was a terrible it, throw. Yeah, it was a terrible um, throw, but it, it just kind of shows what his issues have been. He, he's had accuracy issues, arm strength issues, decision-making issues. So there was that. And then there was the play. Um, the Eagles were down near the, their own end zone. I think it was on the fourth drive of the game. He had a wide-open Torrey Smith just standing there. He's standing in the pocket. Yep, they were clean at their own nine-yard line. Yep. Mm-hmm. 
and and it was second and twenty one, and it was you know if he hits Torrey Smith in stride, you well can, he's just standing there at that point. Yeah, you can almost make a case that Torrey Smith could have picked up fifteen yards. Yeah, he instead, was wide open. Yeah. Foles throws it behind him, and had it not been for Torrey Smith batting the ball down, that gets picked off, and you you right. put your defense in a terrible spot. So those two plays to me are the biggest red flags for Nick Foles going into the playoffs. I mean, you have to be able to make the throw or make a better decision throwing across your body than the one he made on the play that was picked. And you got to be more accurate on that crossing pattern to Torrey Smith. You can't leave these plays out there, and you can't potentially put your defense in a terrible spot and by not thing, being the accurate. The thing, too, is like, I mean, at the postgame press conference today, he's talking, and he, you know, he must have said, 10 to 15 times. I'm, I'm still confident. I'm still confident. I still believe in myself. Some variation of that. And you almost wonder if he's trying to convince himself up there because he just can't do anything right out there right now. I mean, Foles, I've never been that high on Foles, but he's a he is a better player than what he's showing out there today. I mean, he, he's having trouble handling snaps. He's getting nothing going on in the offense. I mean, he had 30... 38, 39 yards passing today, 37 total yards on offense in the second half against the Raiders. What did the Eagles end up with offensive yards today? I mean, not not much with Foles. But yeah, total offense, 219 yards. And a yards. lot of those were on that last drive. Yep, and they averaged four yards per play after averaging three and a half yards per play for four quarters with Nick Foles last week. This offense just is tr- – listen – they're very limited, and we've talked about that. But I think what even is a bigger issue than Nick Foles' struggles today, they're not running the ball well. LeGarrette Blount I think entered that's today. Part of it, yep, and LeGarrette Blount entered today, and I know that he's been splitting carries with Jay Ajayi, and his workload has kind of diminished. But he's been averaging 4.4 yards per carry for the season. He's only averaging 2.6 yards per carry in the month of December, which is basically a carbon copy of his stats plummeting and falling off a cliff last mm-hmm. year with the Patriots. The offensive line hasn't played well. Hal Pulavidi gave up another sack today, gave up a couple more pressures. And I think that when you look ahead to the postseason, the only ways that you're going to be able to be competitive in a playoff game or even win a playoff game is by playing lights-out dominant defense. And I think the defense played relatively well today. You're going to have to get strong play from your offensive line, which I don't think you got today. And you're going to have to run the ball effectively and be an offense that is funneled through the running game and uses the run to set up the pass. And they didn't do that today. So, to me, one out of the three with Nick Foles as your quarterback, one out of those three ingredients to winning in the postseason isn't enough to get the job done to go to a Super Bowl. So the question is, what about Nate Sudfeld? So today he comes in, finishes the game 19 of 23, 134 yards, uh, pass rating of 90.9. And honestly, as soon as he came in, you could see the difference between him and Foles. Again, I don't know if Foles is hurt. You know, he says he feels fine. But the zip on Nate Sudfeld's passes were considerably better than Foles. I mean, he comes out, and even if it's you know a five or six yard completion, you can just see the ball getting out quicker. He's considerably more mobile. I mean, you 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 talked about their struggles on third down. Yeah. I believe it was a third and three or something like that, some type of third and short. He runs for twenty two yards down the middle of the field, jukes out one guy. Yeah. He looked like the better quarterback. I mean, we're just being completely honest. Even if you take. Foles' game against the Raiders, he still looked better. I understand Foles didn't play a lot today. Sudfeld looked better than Foles did today. He just looks like the more talented quarterback. Yeah, and looks I like watched he has a, a lot of him. Arm. He's right. more mobile. I mean, he just looks like the the better quarterback. But the question is, what do you do? Yeah, I, mean, I don't know that he's the better quarterback. And I've watched a lot of. I mean, he might be. He certainly played better today. But I watched a lot of of him at Indiana, and that mobility was kind of his hallmark. He was a, a scrambling quarterback that if you let him outside of the pocket, and it was third and seven, you're going to struggle not to give up that third third down conversion. Mm-hmm. That's just kind of what he was. And I think today we saw the arm strength on display. We saw the mobility that's there. 
I, I really have a hard time going into a playoff game and putting in a quarterback who's never started an NFL game and his only snaps in the NFL came in a meaningless week 17 game against the Cowboys. But I, I don't know about you, Elliot. I think that Nick Foles is on a bit of a leash going into this playoff game. And if it's, if it's a game like we talked about and it's seven to nothing against Atlanta or Carolina or Seattle, whoever you're playing, I, I don't know that I'd stick with Foles for the mm-hmm. entire game. I think that I would consider making a QB change if Foles plays the way he did against Oakland or the way he played today. So I, I put out a tweet with a poll after the game, and so far we have, I have about 3,600 votes in it, and a lot of you guys are no huddle show listeners, so, so we appreciate um, the votes. Uh, right now, Nick Foles, 54%, Nate Sudfield, 46%, so extremely even. I mean, it was a it was a dead 50-50 split, 900 votes in. So people are torn, and I agree it does sound crazy. I mean, to think that Nate Sudfeld, who was on the Redskins in training camp, who was on the practice squad the majority of the season, has been the third quarterback when Wentz was healthy, is going to start your playoff game, it does sound crazy, but this is just a situation you're in. I mean, yeah. I don't see how – I. I We'll put it this way: if so, if Sudfeld starts a game, I I think there's a better, I have a higher chance of picking them than Foles because one, I saw Sudfeld has like a little bit, he's got something. I mean, I'm not saying he's going to be a starting quarterback at the NFL, but he's got some tools you kind of like, like you mentioned. He is mobile. Um, I think he made good decisions with the ball today. He had a nice long completion to Marcus Johnson, and again, it's cold, and I'm, you know, it is what it is, but. Throwing the ball through the cold air is hard. Foles has to be able to do it. He showed he couldn't. Sudfeld showed he could. So. I don't know. I mean, I don't think they have a better chance to win with Foles at quarterback than they do Sudfeld. And so it just seems like right now nothing is working for Foles. I don't know if that's just if that's going to turn around. I don't know what what it is, but I do think that right now Foles is is like I said, not even playing up to his potential. Right. So I don't know. I, I don't think the Eagles will consider it, but I would if I were. Them. And and here's here's the thing. And we talked about this leading up to this game, whether or not it was a wise decision to play Nick Foles. And I think Friday you said that the injury risk was too. I don't want to misquote you. I think you said the injury risk was too much that you wouldn't play him, and that there wasn't much value. In well, I said him, there right? wasn't much value because right. I didn't think he was going to turn it around. So and and obviously I don't think either of us would say that he turned it around. Today. No, I would fair? say today backfired. So here's here's my thing, and Les Bowen put this out there originally on Twitter, and I agree with him wholeheartedly. Les said on Twitter that based on the way that Foles played today. If you're Peterson, you probably could have and maybe should have left him in until you saw them put together a drive or until the game ends. And I kind of agree with that because if the whole point of playing him, even for the first quarter or five possessions, was get him on the same page with Alshon Jeffrey, get some momentum going with the first team offense, get Nick Foles to feel some confidence, you know, build your offense around what he's comfortable doing and see how it works. You didn't see that in those four or five drives. And I think you can make the case that he played as poorly today outside of that first possession where I do think that he looked better on that first drive. I think he was as bad or worse overall than he was against Oakland. And that defeats the whole purpose of playing him today. And even if you would have had to play him the entire four quarters, to me, if the point was to get him more reps and get this offense more snaps together and try to build something – I don't think you accomplished it today. I think you should have yeah. left them in longer, even if that took all four quarters. See, I, I agree with that, but the only the only counter I would make is 
I think you, you could have left him in there till next week. I mean, <laughs> this guy is who he is. The right. offense is what it is at this point. I said all season, even when Wentz was in there, they don't have playmakers on the outside. I mean, Alshon every once in a while will catch a 50-50 contested pass. Nelson Aguilar can be a little elusive after the run, but I still don't think he's a guy that you can count on to consistently get yard, gets yards after the catch. Ertz is one of the best tight, tight ends in the league. He doesn't do good after the catch. Same with Torrey Smith. Uh, the running backs can be somewhat elusive, but not so much in the passing game, it seems like. So, they're not a team that 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 where they're going to help Foles out. I mean, Foles' best opportunity he has is Doug Peterson calling a good game and surprising people in the playoffs. Yeah. So I don't really think keeping Foles in there. Again, I see the point, and I agree with it to a certain extent that you just keep him in there until something good happens. But it was kind of the same reason I said I'm not sure I would play them. I don't think that, like they are who they are at this point. You like, I mean, during the week we talked about it on the Friday pod, they're doing walkthroughs for practice. They're going to practice a few days this week. They'll probably be walkthroughs too. I'd imagine they'll have one or two regular. Speed I think practices they'll practice this they... week. I think they'll have two or three regular practices. I don't know. My, yeah, my understanding was that they were going to ratchet it up this week after taking a rest. Uh, I wasn't in talking to Jason Kelsey after the game, but apparently he said to some reporters, and Malcolm Jenkins backed this up in my conversation with him, that you know, getting back to some actual practices is going to help yeah, I would this think team so. get back on the same page and get this offense kind of at least as close to clicking as you're going to get. So I, I think that the players have realized that it was great to get a rest going into Week 17, but in order to be successful in the playoffs, I think the players and more importantly the coaching staff understands that in terms of their week of practice during the bye and certainly leading up to that playoff game, get as close to back to normal as possible and get some real practices going because they need to get their timing down. You and that's what I the said. Other day. That's what I said coming up to this week. Right. That's not happening in walkthroughs. It's just not. Right. No, I agree. And I wonder if they've run the risk of now they're just – They've lost any momentum they had. And again, when you lose Wentz, you lose all your momentum. But, I mean, Foles did have four touchdowns in the first game. Again, the Giants are trash. That is what it is. Yep. But he's been considerably worse. And I didn't even think he played that great against the Giants. But whatever momentum they had after that, the four-touchdown game is completely gone. So, look, I think we've, you know, we've kind of beat this quarterback thing to death at this point. They're probably going to start Foles. But I think we both agree it's at least interesting. We, 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 we wouldn't shut the door on it. Is that fair to say? I wouldn't. I would start Foles, but I, like I said, I'd give him a relatively short leash in a playoff game. I would start Foles too, but I think it's a debate is all I'm yeah. saying. And, and it might be. I, I don't think that it's a debate the coaching staff is going to have, but no. um, it, it's going to make for interesting conversation this week. Um, if we want to just look at the positives in this game – I thought the defense played well, even without Brandon Graham, even without Derek Barnett. I thought Vinnie Curry had a couple nice moments and generated some nice pressure on Dak Prescott. And, you know, the Cowboys left Prescott in for the entire game. Yeah, and 17 to 30, 179 yards. They yeah. did give up 103 yards to Ezekiel Elliott, but that was on 27 carries. And that's kind of what you expect, though. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, Ezekiel Elliott is one of the top two or three, if not the premier running back in the NFL. Eagles rushing defense has been known to be one of the strengths of the team. Um, I, I don't think you really get too bent out of shape yeah. about Elliott rushing for 103 and averaging 3.8 yards per carry. But if you're looking to take something away from this game and project it to the postseason, allowing 103 to Ezekiel Elliott in the meaningless game versus allowing Todd Gurley 100, 105, 110, that's going to be completely different. But the mm -hmm. one thing I will say is they played without Tim Jernigan today. Fletcher Cox played limited snaps. They were without Barnett, without Brandon, Brandon Graham. Graham. So it's, no going to be a, it's going to be a different front um, for the defense. But to me, 
again, th- this team is going to go as far as their defense takes them, how well they run the ball, and how few mistakes they make on offense from the quarterback position. And I thought the defense played well enough today to put you in a position to win a game. If so, you can judge anything off of this. Yeah. I don't, yeah, I, I see your point. I guess I agree. I don't think you take too much from it today, but one thing that was obviously worth talking about is the fact that Sidney Jones played. Yes. Um, he played, uh, well, the snap counts aren't out yet, but I'm going to guess he was in there for 20, 25, 30 snaps. I mean, he played, uh, you know, a fairly considerable amount. Yep. Um, I don't believe he was targeted off the top of my head. And if he was, it wasn't any like contested target. Yeah, he had um, two, he had two tackles. Two tackles. I was, uh, those are my main two takeaways. One, his first snap of the game was a third and five, I believe. Um, up press coverage against Des Bryant, stayed with him stride for stride. He wasn't targeted in the play went to their side of the field, but he stayed with him stride for stride. Um, I thought he clearly was not looking for contact, but he definitely wasn't avoiding it. He had the two tackles on the running play. He had the one play um, where it was just him and Ezekiel Elliott matched up uh, one-on-one. Didn't bring him down, did force him to the sidelines yep. to a certain extent. That's a tough spot for any cornerback, let alone a guy that hasn't played in a long time. Yeah, and and he had he made that tackle, game, that would have been pretty amazing. Big I think, time. Yeah. Yep. He said after the game that on that play, he just misjudged Elliott's speed, and given his, that it was first game out there, he needs to do a better job of um, you know, his his route to, to the tackle. Right. And that, that's something that he'll work on moving forward. Um, I, I like the fact that his first snap of the game was press coverage against Des Bryant. Yep. Yeah, and his saying. attitude after the game was, Lock it up. Let's yeah. go. Let's play football. And that was that. And to me, and you talked to some teammates, Patrick Robinson said he was impressed. Uh, Malcolm Jenkins said that for a kid who's been on the sideline the entire year and hasn't played, to come into a game in this environment and have two tackles and come out of it unscathed and feeling good about himself, mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a big takeaway. And let's remember, he hasn't been on a football field in a game since one year ago today in the Peach Bowl when Alabama beat Washington, tore his, ace, his Achilles tendon in Washington's pro day. So to have him come out, have two tackles, play a little bit on special teams, play in the slot a little bit, play outside. I thought he played well, and I wouldn't rule out them playing him in a playoff so game that's, in So that's weeks. my next question, or I guess my next thought. Sydney played okay. Rasul Douglas struggled a little bit today. Led up the only touchdown of the game in single coverage. Um, didn't play very well overall. It, when you talk about playing Sydney in a playoff game, it's basically going to come down to him or Rasul. When yep. you look at the inactives, the way it works out, the way they want to keep their offensive linemen, the way the special team snaps work out, it's basically going to be Sydney or Rasul. Sydney did play some special teams today, and it'll be very interesting to see what Fip thought, what Fip thinks of the job that he did and how many snaps he ended up playing, because that is going to kind of decide who who's up in this playoff game. I think it's a it's a tough decision because. I've been Team Rasul. I mean, I defend him on Twitter. I think the fact that he was inactive a few weeks ago was the wrong decision. But here's the deal. Sidney was going to be a top 10 pick if healthy. Yep. Rasul Douglas was basically a fourth round pick. Sidney Jones. He was is, picked in the third yeah, round. Not, not, yeah. not to get into this week two Kansas City Chiefs press yeah, box debate. There we go. He I was mean, picked in late in the third he was, round. He was, yes. he was picked 96 spots. There was 96 players taken before him. So he was basically a fourth round pick. But regardless... <laughs> We're talking about pure talent, and I like Rasul. Sidney Jones is arguably the most talented cornerback on this team. And if you have the ability to at least have him on the roster, I mean, in the playoffs, obviously, you know, if Darby goes down, if if Mills goes down, I think I might be just as confident in having Sidney out there as I am Rasul. I do think Rasul Douglas would be extremely upset if he was inactive. I don't think you take that into consideration, but I don't think he's a guy that's going to take in stride. I do think he would be very frustrated by that. Um, Whereas I think... Putting yeah, I, Sydney up, I think he might understand it a little more. But I do think that's not what we're here for, though, Elliot. Not in no. the postseason. We're not here for players' feelings, right? Yeah. Well, if you're playing foals, I mean, <laughs> you're not there for much of anything. But look, I, I think I would probably put Sydney up 
because I think if you if you know Darby or Mills are struggling and you need a guy to go up to the line of scrimmage, play, play press coverage, and really lock a guy down, I think Sydney's got the best shot of anybody to do it on the team. Yeah, I think that if I were putting together the game day roster right now, Sydney Jones would be one of the cornerbacks, and yeah. I think that I would put Rasul Douglas down. Um, I didn't think Rasul Douglas played very well today. He got beat on a couple sluggos, slant and go routes, which are what have been the Achilles heel of the Eagles secondary so far in the last you know two or three weeks. And I thought Jones played relatively well. I thought that other than misjudging Ezekiel Elliott's speed, you know, th- that's going to happen. That's a tough it's, spot right. for any corner. Right, and he still pushed him out of bounds and had an impact on right. the play. Didn't get beaten badly over the top, was reasonably, you know, um, dominant in coverage. And again, they moved him around. I don't think that they played him in the slot just for, you know, giggles. I think right. they played him in a bunch of different spots to get him on film. Again, he hasn't had anything on film to break down in meetings this entire year. Yeah. Give him a taste of playing inside, playing outside. I think that that was legitimately to see what he's able to do and test him out and what he's comfortable with in the playoffs. And I think that he he was good enough today to be a rotational cornerback over somebody like Rasul Douglas, maybe even over somebody in terms of playing time on defense like a Corey Graham, like a Jalen Watkins. I don't know about special teams, but I do think that he's a guy that – played well enough today and came through healthy enough to play and contribute on defense in a play. And here's the thing, like, your season's on the brink. I don't care that the number one seed, your season is in serious doubt. And if it takes maybe putting Sydney out there, maybe he surprises everyone and shuts down one side of the field, that's what it's going to take to win a playoff game at this point. The way this team is currently constructed, if they play Russell Douglas, if they play what they've been doing all year and they have Nick Foles at cornerback, they're not winning a playoff game. So, yes, it's a lot of ass to Sydney. Yes, it's a long shot. This team needs a long shot right now. So I think there's something to be said for just putting them up there. If you have to put them in, hoping something happens and see maybe if he gives his team a spark. But that'll do it for, for, uh, for us here from the link for probably the second to last time because they got one more playoff game here. <laughs> one more playoff game here, and obviously we'll have a lot to talk about. We'll see what then. happens in that game. Yeah, and you know we'll see who gets in. The, some of the 4 o'clock games are still going on here. but By the so- way... I'm not a guy who welches on my bets. Oh, yeah, I, that's I, right. I owe you that's a right. lunch of some sort that's because right. we don't have access to the Eagles cafeteria. But sometime this week, I will take you out to lunch to pay off there the bet go. with the Cowboys finishing 7-9. and nine you. Because you did pay up on our Jay Cutler bet I earlier lose, in the year. Yeah, so I you lose, win some, you lose some. I lose bets to you all the time. So this is definitely <laughs> a good way to start the new year, at least having uh, you know begin to get underway. So thanks, everybody, for listening. We hope everyone, that if you're listening to this on a Sunday, enjoy your New Year's Eve plans tonight. If it's a Monday, hope you had a good night. We will be back another Tuesday or Wednesday with the uh, Hot Take Pod, so please tweet us or email us your reactions. Matt, I will talk to you in the new year. Happy New Year, everybody.